You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Hello! Welcome, Sitok. Thank you. What have you got to tell me today? I just lost another game of solitaire. (laughs) Solitaire? Yeah. What what are you, in 1982? You know, just just to put this out there, 95 is interesting that you would say that because I got through my first, let's say, defunct marriage playing solitaire a lot. (laughs) I'm not saying there's any correlation. (laughs) Oh my God, that doesn't sound good. I'm playing solitaire. solitaire because it was right on my thing. I was clearing up my desktop icons. I'm like, oh, I'll play a game of solitaire. Is it that Microsoft solitaire that you play? It is. It's a bit posher than the old 95 one. Kind of. I mean, it's the same game. I don't do anything posh. I leave it all boring and plain, but I play on expert, so I lose a lot. I actually only win 26% of the time. And no one cares about this. This is before the after the show. We're discussing our very review random of things. solitaire. <laughs> yeah. Very random conversation. And during that, I'm all set up and done and ready to go. So I decide to play a game of solitaire. So Microsoft Solitaire is available now yeah. on all platforms. I'm not shilling. I'm just saying. It's always there for you. All right. So it's Saturday, January the 25th. This is after the show. 618. We're a movie review podcast. When we look at a new release every week, this week we're looking at Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. It's a 2019 movie released on Blu-ray January the 21st. So you can pick this one up now. It's rated R for strong language and all that stuff. Drug use. Drug usage. (gasps) Shock. Kissing. I don't think it's for kissing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that sort of stuff. And uh, it's from our friends at Lionsgate. You sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, you give us the synopsis of Jay and Silent mm. Bob Reboot, and I will give you the one off the back of the box afterwards to uh, compare. I think the title says it all. Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Jay and Silent Bob characters we've known for many, many years. Are we doing, on the surface, a story they've done in the past, but it's not really. It's just another Jay and Silent Bob excursion. Adventure. Is that on the box? It says the stoner icon, icons who first hit the screen 25 years ago in Clerks are back. When Jay and Silent Bob discover that Hollywood is rebooting an old movie based on them, the clueless duo embark on another cross-country mission to stop it all over again. I don't think they're clueless. I don't think that's fair. That's what it says. <laughs> I hope Kevin Smith did not write that, because that's not accurate. Kevin, you need to fire who wrote your copy on the back there. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. We have a history with viewers universe movies. Yes. Yeah. Well, the beginning of the universe was you telling me before we ever met in person because we met on the old internet way back in 1998. Just to give you a quick synopsis, there. There's a synopsis for our box uh, of the beginning of it. You listed clerks. You asked me what movies I liked. Yep. And you and gave I've, me a list, like a litmus test of 10 movies that I had to see and probably had to like. And Clerks was on that list. It was. One of my favorite movies. I and still, I did watch it. And I did like it. And here we are 20 years later. I think Mallrats <laughs> was also possibly on the list, right? I don't know when those were, came out. But yeah, whatever came out before 1998, that was yeah. Kevin Smith. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I knew coming into this marriage, you were a Kevin Smith fan and that there would be no escape from any Kevin Smith tomfoolery. No, and I feel like Kevin Smith. Like I've listened to his podcast. I still I listened to one a couple of days ago. I um, watch his YouTube videos. It's like he weaves himself into your life, even though he's not at all. You're just listening to him tell stories constantly. Yeah, so I've definitely yeah. Before he even did all the internet stuff, and he used to put out those 
DVDs and Evening with Kevin Smith mm-hmm. that were like five hours long. I, I'd sit and watch the entire thing. Uh, you weren't alone. You would say, we're going to watch Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'd yeah. be like, it's a whole afternoon event. Yeah, because they were like four discs usually. They were really, really long. But they were awesome. Like he told stories. And they were a lot of fun. So b- bottom line is you are a... Fan. Ke- yeah, and we're in same age as Kevin Smith. And so... Pretty much. I have Kevin Smith collectibles on my wall mm-hmm. downstairs. I have his signature on a comic book. I've we're of his generation, and yes. I'm glad he didn't die of a heart attack. So we're the uh, audience for this movie, I guess. Some. Yeah. It's a broad audience. Actually, um, let's just say this. The premise of this movie um, and the thing about reboots and sequels, and which keeps coming up in the movie, and about young people enjoying a thing, and it all kind of comes around, doesn't it? With what, you know. So, um, what is your favorite Kevin Smith movie? Well, first thing, I really enjoyed this movie yeah. a lot. I'm getting to this. I laughed a lot. I'm just saying, though, it's in the it's in the high range. But my favorite Kevin Smith movie has always been Chasing Amy. And mine is absolutely Chasing Amy. Yeah. So. Um, but- a movie that tells it like it feels. That's on the poster we that we have downstairs. Have right, right next the- to our theater. We have like a movie... Uh, screen on the wall and um right next to that is that poster see it see her little face every time well big face on our wall yeah i love that movie so um jay and silent bob reboot it's like a sequel to jay and silent bob strikes back which was like a culmination of all the all, all these characters coming together on a wacky adventure on a wacky adventure and this is the same thing it actually funnily enough this one's not quite as wacky as that one true it's, He's older. This one's got a bit more of a heart to it, instead of it just being like drug jokes all the time. Even though there are a lot of sure. Here's a thing too. We we're not drug people. <laughs> I I've never smoked it. Well, maybe I have at college once and didn't like it. But we're not stoner type people. Whatever that is. Right. Whatever that is. So the stoner humor that's in this movie. I mean, literally, Tommy Chong turns up at one point, doesn't he? Correct. With, with loads of weed, you know, weed jokes. And there's plenty of, like, smoking blunts, weed, all that stuff. All that stuff... Well, the name of the comic and the movie in the movie is Blunt Man and Chronic. True. So all that stuff, it never makes me laugh. I, I don't find that kind of... I, I don't watch Tommy Chong movies and... Oh, the, I did the when other I was two. a teenager. Did okay. you? I never oh, yeah. Did. And you found them funny, but not because of the drug part, right? Yeah, I mean, I've never smoked pot. I've never been... I mean, I drank a lot, so I'm not judging. I'm saying that's just not... I don't know the feeling. No. I don't know the world. I I'm don't, not against it. No, no. I don't live in the thing of... You know, it's a thing. It's a culture around an activity and then, like, what it does for you or to you, whatever. I'm not into that either. But when I was a teenager... They were just, like, dumb, hilarious movies to me. Yeah, and the Method Man... And Redman thing, which are, they they appear in this movie. They made a movie called what was it called? Too High? How High? They were like the Tommy Chong of like the MTV generation there. So and they MTV, play I didn't that. even know who he was talking about. Well, they play that into this as well. So like, there's like a history of like stoner movies along the way. Here's and what I like about Kevin Smith. He does what he wants, and if I don't like it, I can fuck off. That's the that's the vibe I get. If you don't like what I'm selling you here, the jokes we're telling, the story we're doing, the way we're doing it, it's all me, it's all Kevin, my world, my universe. If you don't like it, I don't care. There's enough people who do enjoy it. And I am one of those people, but that's what I love about it. It doesn't feel like it's reaching out to like impress anyone or, you know, like... He'll say and do things in his story and even in one-liners here and there that you're like, oh, somebody's not going to like that, but he's just doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I've, that's what I totally dig about his movies. Even if I'm not sitting there thinking it's hilarious every minute, I just love that he's just doing his own thing. That's my favorite part of it. What I really like about this movie is it feels like, you know, he had a health scare Last year, Kevin. I'll say he had a heart attack. Yeah, a heart attack. Like the, the big heart attack, the Widowmaker one, that he, as he likes to call it. He didn't and, make that up. That's the actual name of it. Yeah, true. But he likes to tell you. <laughs> he, even tells you he even tells you in this movie when he's on the stage there about him. Yeah, he weaves in his own thing of talking on stage. That's yeah. what I love about it. It's just, it's wacky. But 
how this movie felt to me. It felt like it came from, like, he's obviously at a different place, like, after that incident. And this felt like he wanted to, in case I'm not around anymore, I need to, I want to put this bow on all my stuff that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Like, I want to tie this up. I want to tell you something about what was going to happen. Maybe we'll never make a Clerks 3, even though he is going to. Um, I, I want to tell you about where these characters are and went. Not every, not all of them, but... And also, like, the way he does it, his own way, like, he does his own, like, he does a tour where they just get up on stage and talk about it. They present the movie. You have to buy a special ticket to go to the movie and see him and, and uh, Jason Mewes get up there and talk and do their spiel. And he presents it all his way, his, his own way, because being part of this sort of like canned Hollywood presentation where they're sort of dishing out to us the movies that big committees want and the people in the head offices decide get to be made and this is how we're going to sell it and this is where we're going to put it. Like they, they re- I mean, I'm not opposed to those either. I like all kinds of movies, but he's outside of that. Which means it's got a little extra edge to it, which I really like. I like how he's outside of it, yet he manages to get people in his movies who you're like, wow, why is that person in this movie? Right, because I think those people also <laughs> feel like, you know what? Someone has like, kind of crushed the creativity part of movie making and turned it into just a factory of money making, which I'm also not opposed to. You make a movie that I want to go see and I'll buy it or buy it on DVD or go to see it for money. That's fine too. I'm not I'm not against the money aspect. It's a business, right? But that everything boils down to demographics and what's the word when you test it? Small screen. Test audience. Test audiences and you take shit out because someone doesn't like it and you are delicate about a subject because you don't want to offend anyone or you want to raise it up just enough so that you can get Oscar buzz and all that stuff. If you if you move all of that aside, there's Kevin Smith like standing there <laughs> going, hey guys, I have a movie. <laughs> I'm going to do this movie over here. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I love that. And I think the people who get involved with him, some of them are probably really scared. Like someone's going to judge them for being in a Kevin Smith movie or a line that they do or whatever, or being associated with something to do with drugs. You see, like it's so ridiculous. Yeah, but definitely. Ultimately, if you're doing, if you're Ben Affleck, you might just be like, you know what? Fuck it. This is my friend. This is hilarious. That's it. I'm in. You know, I'm, I don't know that. I don't know these people. But I feel like it's almost like a little rebellious kind of movie making, which I totally dig. Yeah. And you have to be like accustomed to Kevin's style. If, <laughs> see, I was thinking about this as we were watching it. You to think me, this isn't a first timer movie. No, to me, this taps into it taps into twenty five years of stuff I've watched, right? So it's like watching. He even mentions it in the movie, "The Force Awakens." It's like it's like a emotional like tap that you're like, oh, oh yep. yeah, I remember, I remember, oh, and it, you feel good. This does the same thing because it brings back characters you might have even almost forgot about, and you're like, oh, that's happening, you know. So it's got an emotional thing to it. Plus, I thought it was quite funny. I mean, it's really. Oh, I over laughed the, a lot. It's really over the top, um, in a silly kind of slapsticky way. But there's definitely some funny writing. I thought, like about, I liked that in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, there's the posse of sexy girls in the van. You remember that? Yep. In the cat suits, and in this movie, there's a posse of very young, like twenty year old girls, who. Uh, kind of a shadow of those sexy girls in the van. They're a diverse, but they're a group diverse crew because of today's. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's a Chinese. He, said, he girl. makes a joke early in the movie. They'd make a reboot because then they can make it younger, and more diverse. But they're telling you the same shitty story over yeah. and over again. And basically, that's what he's done with this group of young women in the van. Yeah, so there's like one from each uh, country, and it, you know it's very like manufactured. Like each country. Like a lot of girls. (laughs) Yeah, well, not that many, but like um, some TV shows and movies you watch where you're like, wow, that feels like... They're forcing it, yes. Like it feels like it was made by committee. We saw a movie where we were like, wow. Absolutely. It might have been... It might have been the second Pacific Rim movie. 
where we were like, there's literally a person from everywhere in this movie. Like, it feels like they were... Everybody's represented. Also, not against that, but when it feels forced, you're like... Are you serving the story or are you serving your pocketbook or serving the market? The little needle <laughs> that jumps around telling you if you're going to have somebody who's going to be disappointed with your movie simply based on a political or some other culturally charged oh, item at the movie. The Meg was another one that had that kind of scenario going on where you True. were like, oh, we've got to we got to sell this movie in China. We got to sell this movie and you know, it felt like that a little bit. But they don't address it. No. Kevin Smith just flat out says it. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So I like this movie quite a bit. I, I was never a massive fan of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. I thought it was one of his weaker movies, to be honest, because it got so silly and over the top. And, you know, the emotional part that I like about Kevin Smith movies, there's a really emotional heart to Clerks, right? Yep. There's definitely one to Chasing Amy, almost one that breaks you down. Like, is is this uh, dogma has a very interesting satirical message to it. Mm-hmm. It's not that actually is... It very, makes you think. Yeah. Um, Jersey Girl's just very sweet, and you feel, like, sad and happy, and there's all kinds of emotions. Uh, Clerks 2, which I re-watched recently, and liked it a hell of a lot more this second, third time I've watched it. <laughs> Uh, it is really sweet, Clerks. It's about the relationship between Randall and Dante and how friends can drift apart, which actually means something if you look into Kevin's life with Ben Affleck, for sure. instance, and how life is just not always the same. And, like, it, you know, it can sometimes you can have different priorities, and maybe you should always have your priority on your friend. So there's, there's a big, deep heart to that. Um, Tuscan Red State. <laughs> I don't think there's a deep part to those. They kind of. I don't know about that. I think that they've got a, you know, if you watch it again, you probably find something. I don't know about Tusk, but it's yeah. about broken people more than anything else. I think. And then we. The and only- so is Red State, but then also the weirdness. Well, I like that he branches out. He'll try anything. I actually enjoyed Red State. Tusk not as much. Um, and yoga hoses I still haven't seen. I'm Again, gonna... we have to remind everyone, we don't smoke pot. That's I true. think that if we smoked pot or ate a pot brownie or ate some pot chocolate or whatever, maybe Tusk would be more enjoyable. <laughs> and so would James. I mean, Tusk was supposed to be horrific. It just I know but what I'm saying is it would be more, your brain would be in a different state right. of mind. So um, the reason I, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back didn't, do it for me fully was because it didn't really have that heart part to it it was really just how many cameos can we throw in and how silly can we get so i was expecting the same from this one i was thinking well this is just going to be like a sequel to jay and silent bob strikes back which is kind of how it's advertised but as you watch it you realize it's like a culmination of everything he's ever done because there's characters from almost everything he's ever done that appear here and they mention others if they're not there, like, yeah. pop out. <laughs> and then, you know, what was totally unexpected for me is there's a sequence in the middle of the movie with Ben Affleck and um, Alyssa Jones from Chasing Amy. And it feels like a, like the, like a cap on the end of Chasing Amy because they explain everything that happened to those people over the years. And... They're playing the Chasing Amy music in the background, and I've seen that movie so much, it's kind of ingrained into me. Did you get a tear in your eye? I was emotional to it, which I didn't expect from this movie at all, right? I was also emotional at the end, where they showed a clip of Stan Lee. Oh, yeah. That's during the credits. (laughs) During the credits, like he, he wanted to include Stan Lee in the movie, but Stan Lee was sick when they were filming, so they couldn't get him to be in it. Um, But... Kevin had interviewed him at an IMDb um, thing that he does. And he, he kind of got a little clip that actually fits in the movie perfectly, right? Because he's like, let's pretend we're in the movie now. And then they do a little thing. But that was emotional, I thought. And what was the other emotional part? The scene at the end when they go to the quick stop and lean against the wall. Yeah, that was. Cause I, mean, the whole- I think a lot of it is when you're thinking about all of it. Like the story of a girl who's never had her father and Jay... And we know, though, see, we're filling in gaps. Here. Yeah. Like, I, what I hate about some movies is everyone who knows that world fills in a lot of the stuff. 
An outsider will not have that. I know, you know, that Jason Mewes has had like drug abuse problems his whole life. He had a really weird and very difficult childhood. He was totally fucked up. And now watching him in a movie as a grown-up, we know he has children. And now he's dealing with a character who's meeting his daughter for the first time and talking about being a shitty dad and, like, his tears in his eyes. And then this this girl, Kevin Smith's daughter, has grown up with Kevin's Kevin and Jay. Jay as Uncle Jay. But knowing her whole life and probably watching as he struggled with drugs and Kevin kicking him out and over... You know what I mean? Like, you bring all that to it. Yeah. And then their characters are doing their thing. And so I've added all that. But this time, I liked it. Yeah, I've, I I was thinking that while we were watching it. If I was a viewer who just like rented this, just went, oh, well, this looks like a fun movie. What's this? Yeah, does no, it carry the same emotional weight? It wouldn't carry anything because like almost every scene requires you to know who the people are. You know? I mean, you could identify with the teenage girl who's never had a father and now here he is and... You know, I mean, that's a very universal kind of a thing. So I right. think people would connect with that. There's, there's so much stuff that's like they walk into movies, for instance. Like, yeah. Like that would mean nothing. Um, the chasing Amy section would kind of mean nothing. It almost feels like it doesn't fit, except we know it does. Right. It's all, it's my favorite part of the whole movie. That, it is good. That one, that one little section. But then I like his speech in Chasing Amy, too. In the rain. That's one of my favorite and that's what movie this, scenes of all time. That's I can tell that that's what they were going for with this speech in this one. So when he's talking and he's telling them about just... It's kind of heart emotional. It felt like it. Maybe not as intense as the one in Chasing Amy, because that one's pretty intense, right? True. But it still had that feeling. It was like, oh, Holden McNeil is going to say something now. <laughs> and you're probably going to get sad. Uh, and I like the inclusion of the little girl, Amy, in this movie. Spoilers. There's a little girl called Amy. That's Jason Mew's real daughter. Um, and like you said, Harley is in there, who's Kevin's daughter. And all that is... It's a very... The universe is all of its own. He does build his own world with the same people over all of his movies, same characters, same crew, I would imagine, in a lot of them. I really like that Brody still in the comic shop and I still... Mean, I don't know. He wasn't... He was like my least favorite thing. I liked it that he's, stu- he's still got the same attitude. He's yeah, but not he changed. wasn't very good. It was like he didn't give a shit. I didn't know <laughs> what probably... that... Seriously, like, I was thinking, like, what are you... You're acting a little bit, like, <laughs> you know? They had to get... um Kevin said that he had to get um, him out of retirement to do that. He's not acted for some time. Right. And when he came, he said, I'm nervous. I don't, I'm not acting okay, for Okay, I some. feel like, yeah, nervous is a <laughs> definitely a good explanation because he just wasn't that, that. Before, it was like, almost like he was made to be on the camera, on film. He was very smart-assy, kind of like smooth. Who knows? He could have been having some sort of chemical help. I do not know that for a fact, but he was very... Like full of character in the other movies, and this time it was like he was worn down. Um, I don't know. Like, didn't he's been care. in a mall for twenty five years? <laughs> yeah, <it's just> been... <laughs> you I, might be. Okay, worn I'll, down. I'll accept that he was nervous, though. He See, said, I, he, he "I can said, forgive these people." That was a thing. What they said immediately, like, "I, Kevin, I'm, I've not acted for so long. I don't know if I can do it." Like, there's a lot of words. Because it was a lot of words. He he was sure he was uh, monologuing for quite some time. Like so, not really, not like the old ones. He was doing the thing about like sequels and prequels, mm-hmm. and you know. So there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of cameo type stuff where somebody just pops up. Chris Helms- Helmsworth <laughs> is in this, but he's not a part of the universe, is he? In any way, like it's just it was a. He is now, I guess. They're going to make fun of the Marvel universe a little bit, but not at the same time, because then they say, oh, you know, some from Marvel's going to sue us because they have, like, a character that's, like, a sort of Iron Man, well, yeah. kind of rustic Iron Man. And talking And of- so making fun of all of that, and then having Chris Helmsworth say, like, I'm getting paid to do this thing to welcome you to Chronic Con, and he's like a... What's he called? Hologram. Hologram. Yeah. So he's like, he's taking the piss out of being the famous person who's just there because it's him. You know, I thought that was kind of Actually, um, Brody Bruce, um, 
We're kind of telling the whole story, just like we're having a conversation about it. Yeah, Brody Bruce at the beginning in the talking of Jason Lee, he actually says that, doesn't he? When they're slagging off different franchises and then they say something about Marvel and he's yeah, like, don't well, you say anything about Marvel. Do not insult. I live for Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. Which is... is but like, that's how fan people are. The hardcore fan people will make fun of you because you like Star Trek instead of Star Wars and yep. then you'll find out that they've remortgaged their house to go to a fucking Star Wars convention and you're like... Wow, that's an expensive convention. You're making fun of me. These people spend a lot of money <laughs> on their fandom. You're making fun of me because I prefer Picard over, like, whoever's... Well, no one's equal to Picard in the Star Wars universe. What, not Luke Skywalker? Just, nope. Nobody. See, we have our own thing. I'm Star Wars. He's Star... I mean, I'm Star Trek. He's Star Wars. You're a bit Star Wars, too. Come on. I like Star Wars. But if you set me down and said you could either watch a season of any Star Trek show or... Three of any sets of Star Wars movies. What about The Mandalorian? Would I that would be watch. That? Nope. I would still watch Star Trek. <laughs> well, you can. I'm just saying. You can go in the room on your own. And watch it. <laughs> Divorce papers are pending. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I liked the film overall. Thought it was like a sweet. Yeah, I loved it. I it really was touching. loved it. There was some parts where I was rolling my eyes a little bit because it's just sometimes I feel like. But then that's fun to me. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I've grown up a little bit from that comedy, yet Kevin will never grow up from that comedy, which is fine, because that's what he is, right? I mean, it is and it isn't. Obviously, he's a thoughtful, (laughs) emotional, highly emotional person, and this is how he expresses himself, and even if I'm not finding it hilarious, I'm rooting for him 100% for being who he is. I mean... I know that sounds corny, but, and I don't really attach myself to any, I don't think, is there any other filmmaker that we have this kind of thing about? Like? That you kind of care about their life, and you know about their life. Like, you love Paul Thomas Anderson, but, but you, he doesn't, you know barely anything about him. He doesn't him put himself a, out there at all. Right. Yeah. It's like we're riding the wave of Kevin, we're out here on the very edges, just kind of absorbing little bits of Kevin Smith's life. We even watch him, we watch him on YouTube. Take his dog for a walk. <laughs> yeah. He makes it. He makes a video every now and then where he takes his dog for a walk, and we watch that video, and it's really interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> it's like someone listening to us who listen to us enough. Now they don't know. I mean, we'll tell you a little bit about our life, a little bit here and there, and then you get used to a person, their voice, and kind of what they say, and you may roll your eyes at them. I I watch YouTubers. You watch YouTuber people, and every once in a while, you're like, oh, come on. Yeah, you're boring me in this moment, but I'm hanging in there because I want to see all of your videos and I want to keep following you. And so that's how I feel about Kevin Smith. I don't think I have anyone else. No, I don't think there's any like that. I don't think there's anybody else who puts them out, puts themselves out there as much as he does. It doesn't feel like it, but then I'm not in every world. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. tap into every. I feel like it's part of entertainment his... franchisee, whatever, whatever. I feel like that's part of why he has persevered over all the years and kept so many fans because he is always there. Like, Yeah, when people, people, I don't know who they are, in conference rooms, in production studios, are poo-pooing on people like Kevin Smith or movies like Kevin Smith's movies, or, and there are lots of them, we're just, we're not, we don't follow other filmmakers around the whole world who probably do similar things or similar they take their own filmmaking into their own hands, essentially, right? And do their own thing outside of the big studio system. Those people sitting there can roll their eyes and be like, oh, Kevin Smith. But in fact, he does the business part. He has a budget. He spends the money. He makes back money. He makes a profit. And he has an entire thing around what he does. Yeah, it's not even, like he's going broke every time or I don't know. But I mean, when you, you can look at the statistics and see he's always making money. I don't know about the hosers, um, yoga hoser, hosers, he but does, I bet it does make money now once it's on DVD and streaming. And the next thing he's doing is that, well, he's doing it at the moment, is the He-Man show for Netflix. He's right. writing the He-Man show, which is a cartoon, you know. See, in the past, he would have been afraid to do that, because right. it's a big deal. But he's directed some Supergirl episodes. And what was that other show he did a lot of? The Canadian, remember? Uh, he did, um, 
He did so. He directed episodes of Flash. I know that as well. Right, but there was like a Canadian teenage. Oh, that was Degrassi Junior High, and he yeah. directed some of them or wrote. I don't know which. No, part he did. He directed, and he was in Jay and Silent Bob were actually in that show. Right, like as a one-off thing. And so, since he was younger and said, "I will never want to write a big movie," he's kind of inching himself toward that. Yeah, there was a, there was a time where he wrote the script for Superman, a Superman movie that eventually became Man of Steel, but that was none of his work. It didn't become that. It was just someone else wrote That was the movie that would, it would have been the one that he wrote. Like, that well, would no. Have... He was writing a Superman movie, but someone else wrote Man of Steel instead. Right. I'm saying that's around the time that the movie came out. Right. So he actually wrote a script for Man of Steel and he was attached to direct it. But that never happened because he chickened out of it, he said. Like he didn't. Right. Feel like he had the skill to do it. That's how he felt. So, and he's never really gone back to doing that big. I think he's fine doing what he does, though. Absolutely. Don't... I mean, we watch Supergirl not because of Kevin Smith. We just <laughs> like Supergirl, right? But Kevin Smith's directed some episodes of that, and yeah, we we do like Supergirl, don't we? <laughs> Listen, we're talking about him like he's our friend, and this is a stranger. This is a person we don't. Know. We don't know him. We've never yeah. met him. He's nothing to me. If he did die, I would be sad for like a minute or two. And then I'd be like, well, that's unfortunate. But at least it's not like he's in my life. But when you watch as many movies as we do and consume as much entertainment, his world is just different. It's more personal. Yeah. And yet that sounds delusional because, of course, it isn't personal. But for some reason, I like what he does, and so I'm I'm kind of like the little puppy, kind of going, okay, I'll watch the next thing you do. I'll watch. I haven't watched Yoga Hosers though, because don't know. I'm gonna make an effort to get that this week, and we'll watch it. Okay, we'll actually watch it this week. So prepare, prepare yourself. I'm prepared. All right. So um, that's the only film we've never seen by him. So we might as well top it all off, right? So um, let's move on to the cast: Kevin Smith, Jay Muse, Silent Bob, and Jay. They play Silent Bob. I mean, Jay. everybody, everybody's fine. Um, <laughs> there is no way you can analyze. The Silent Bob's a lot thinner than uh, he used to be, He's and they do make Jason a funny Hughes joke about that. Is older and not on drugs. I mean, he's not on like heroin anymore. And so he's different. He's done a lot of his own stuff. He's directed his own movie, hasn't he, since? Yes. And he's done some serious parts and whatnot. So he's better. He's like there. He's still, you know, a little bit random, but I thought he was a lot better. Yeah. I mean, he's not the greatest actor, but when he's playing Jay, which is literally himself. I think he could carry a whole movie. I would like to see him as a character and not necessarily in this universe, but if Kevin I mean, wanted to write him a part, I would be interested to watch him. He's been in some horror movies I know of, like mm. where the, you know, these horror directors like try and get like, oh, people know who he is, so like let's have him in a shark, Sharknado kind of thing? Not that, but specifically, you know, remember that crappy movie you watched where it was mostly in the dark and like there's loads and loads of... Which one? But yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why is <laughs> oh, so, I know what you're talking why about. Are so oh, many God. stars in this? It's just because that somebody's was... exploiting them all. It was so bad, but I watched <laughs> it all. All right. So uh, Harley Quinn Smith plays Millie. That's um, Kevin's daughter. I think she's really ex- excellent in it. She has her moments. I mean, it's it hits hit and miss. There are times when you feel like everyone's been giggling. And then she has to There's do it again that. and again and again. Yeah. And it's sort of like forced a little bit. But I like her vibe. And there are moments when it is emotional that she's good. You can see when she's talking to Jay, though, again, she's talking to a man. She's talking to she's her uncle. She's known yeah. her whole <laughs> life and knows all of his problems, loves his family. They're, they are family, essentially. Um, they're not actual family. But, you know, he's been in her life her whole life. And so her emotional moments with him are... I would think I'm not discounting her ability to be an actress, but it's got to bring up something real. And those times were really good. Yeah. And then the goofy parts. I mean, she's just good at being goofy. I like that. She's good at being foul mouthed as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who else did I put down? Jason Lee as Brody. We mentioned him earlier. You thought he was, I know that he was nervous and you, um, he's one of your favorite characters. He just didn't actually. have the swagger. That you love Brody, him in Mallrats, yep, don't you? But he didn't have that thing. Now, yes, he's twenty year, twenty five years older. However yeah. long it's been, but um, I felt like it was. I don't know. 
Oh, this is the unfortunate part for, for me was uh, Joey Lauren Adams, who's my favorite, as plays Alyssa, was really barely in it. I wanted yeah. a bit more. She was like, um, Ben Affleck stole that scene, didn't he? Really? She didn't really get a lot to do. That was the only complaint I had. I was like, oh, hmm. there she is. Oh, she didn't really get to do much. What about Melissa Benoist as Reboot Chronic? She was funny. I mean, it was just a funny scene. Because we so. watch Superman a lot. It was kind of Supergirl. Uh, Supergirl a lot. It was funny to watch her in a similar costume, but, but being different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I really like that. Uh, Val Kilmer as Reboot Bob. I mean, if you blink, you'll miss it. He could have been anybody. Ben Affleck as Holden. I think he did a really good job. It was That mm-hmm. was the best scene of the whole movie. But I don't think he was being Holden. I think no. Kevin wrote those lines. He wasn't writing them for Kev- for Holden. He was writing them for Ben Affleck. Uh, Matt Damon as Loki turns up here again, <laughs> which is kind of fun. It's just a fun... Remember the end of Dogma? We're going to explain what happened. It, I really like that sort of stuff. It's just funny and fun. And uh, Chris Hemsworth, as we said, turned up. The weird lo- thing is, I looked on IMDb, Chris Hemsworth is listed as the number one <laughs> person in this movie. I was like, what? Kevin was He's very proud. He's literally not even there. Kevin was very, very proud that he got him to be in the movie. And it was because... I think Kevin would be surprised of all a lot of people in our age range-ish who are fans of his from every all kinds of everywhere. Who well, maybe just wouldn't ever say it or, you it, know... He's, Kevin said uh, um, he was at Comic-Con and that he did, uh, there was a Marvel panel and then after the Marvel panel, there was the Kevin Smith panel and he was like, how can I go on after the Marvel <laughs> panel? Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, it's Marvel are about to announce 22 new movies and here's me, like, coming on after them. And he said his favorite character is Thor. He saw the Thor guy, uh, Chris Hemsworth, just before he was about to go on and he said to Chris Hemsworth, I'm making a Jay and Silent, new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Do you want to be in it? And Chris Hemsworth said, well, shit, yeah. <laughs> and then they actually filmed the green screen there that night. Oh, right. So, like, he wrote it quickly and then filmed the green screen of it. So that's how that, that happened. That is funny. But he was proud that he got that to, you know. I'm sure it's not easy after his contracts and all that bullshit. And I know. <laughs> how much crap do you have to go through to make a movie? Uh, so this is directed by Kevin Smith. We've mentioned him so many times, this movie. Sounds like we're his biggest fans. <laughs> we're not that kind of fan. Like, you don't dress up like Blunt Man or as Silent Bob that I'm aware of. Sometimes I do, <laughs> only when you're not <laughs> When I'm looking. not here. Yeah. Um, we're not that kind of fans of anything. You don't... We're not even that way about Star Wars or Star Trek. We have a lot of Star Wars things around the house. Bob's Burgers, as I am sitting here wrapped in a Bob's Burgers blanket, but... <laughs> we have a lot of Bob's Burgers and Star Wars things around but the house. But we're not like, um, you know what I mean. You could walk around our house and go, hmm, a Star Wars fan lives here. <laughs> yes. Right? I have Star Trek books and I have Bob's Burgers <laughs> everywhere and we have zombies in the kitchen window and we have Watchmen on the shelf and Bond. And we have we a have lightsaber on the wall. A wall downstairs that is 100% devoted to DVDs. So you could just go through that and figure out what we like. But yeah. Yes. Yes, you, you you'd figure out who we are very quickly. We are definitely fans of things. But not like, you know, <laughs> that kind of like fan who's going to, we'll talk about, like we were just before the after the show discussion did include a little bit of talk about people and their reaction to the end of Game of Thrones and whatnot. And you and I watch it and then you start pointing out people's complaints. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I get that. But I don't care because I just like it at and that's it. And I move on with Yeah, I'm life. not offended yeah. by what you did. If Bob's Burgers <laughs> ends tomorrow, I'm fine with that. If Star Trek never came back with another show, I'd be like, that's cool. I've got a lot of Star Trek I can watch. I don't have that thing where it's so woven into my life that it actually matters to me. It is entertainment and it's fun ideas and it's familiarity and it, you know, it's um, escapism for a bit and it's fun to discuss it like with you and the on the podcast, but we're not like entrenched. You know what I'm saying? Like we wouldn't mortgage the house to go to a comic con or spend $500 on an autograph. I mean, I wouldn't. I've, I've got Kevin Smith's <laughs> autograph on a comic. I don't do, think it cost I, $500. I bu- it did not cost $500. I bought those way long time ago and it was, I think they were $12 for all of them together. No, well, it wasn't much. 
Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really charging much. He was just like... I don't think he I'm charges just... much anymore. I no. think when something new comes out, he signs it for free if you buy it from his store. You know? Right. I think same thing applied. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, you know what we think about Kevin Smith. So, what we do at this time in our podcast is IMDb reviews, which includes... Ooh, these will be fun. So, we like this movie. We like Kevin Smith. We've uh, already established all that. These people don't like it, I guess. Or <laughs> well, they're one-star reviews. Or they, they do like Kevin Smith, but then after this film, they didn't. Let's say. Okay, these are the people who are bitch about the end of Game of Thrones. Is all that right, what you're so, saying? So here comes some of these one-star IMDb reviews. Okay. Number one. Kevin, stop making movies now. <laughs> Clerks 2 was brilliant, but after everything after that has been one terrible film worse than the last. Please stop. You are destroying your own legacy with these outings. I love you, man. Now rest and do something else. Please. That's not very constructive. <laughs> no. All right, then. Maybe this one will appeal to you. Absolute rubbish. Oh, right. Seems like it was made to appease and kickstart his daughter's acting career. Loved his old movies, but this one is definitely not worth your time. I mean, he doesn't hide the fact that he liked to put his kid in his movies and give her a job. I mean, it's not... She makes makes fun of that in this movie. She says that line... Uh, oh, I hate that guy when she's looking yeah, at Kevin Smith. His kid He's the guy who forces his kid to be in all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but again, the thing is, right, that's their family business. I mean, yeah. that's the business of him. He's the father. She's the kid. That's up to them. Um, it's not like when Brooke Shields' mom put her in a movie where she was a child prostitute and actually naked and whatnot when she was 11 or 12. That's a little different. All right. So this one here is... Slight- Look it up. You'll find that Brooke Shields in a... Uh, what was it called? Something baby. When she was know. just a little girl. All right, so this is not that. Is this I'm is saying. the final IMDb review, and it's slight. It's long. This one. Are you okay. ready? I adore Kevin Smith movies, right from watching Clerks as a teenager to getting figures and T-shirts ordered from the secret stash. I even bought the Clerks cartoon series on DVD. I've seen virtually everything Mr. Smith has made, apart from Cop Out and Yoga Hoses. No one's seen those turkeys. So I was very excited to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot. However, now I've seen it all, I truly believe that the world is a worse place with this movie in it. Oh my. It's honestly that bad. It's just one meta joke after another with very little cohesion between the scenes. The storyline is non-existent, the acting is wooden, all the characters just seem to be there to either give us a cameo or serve us with yet another in-joke into one of the following. Kevin having a heart attack reviews of his previous films, showing off his family, talking about being a vegan, or reliving a previous joke. It's like a movie version of of an evening with Kevin and Jason, and it doesn't work at all. The writing is absolutely atrocious. The difference between the tight, punchy, sharp script that was clerked and the stilted, heavy, stoned plodding of this film is huge. It's embarrassing to watch. The pacing is all over. One minute it moves quick, the next it's slowed to a crawl, so Kevin can give us another heavy monologue by one of the most famous actors he's guilted into doing a cameo. I just wanted to cry when this film was playing, as it did one of the following, and I couldn't work out which. It either made me feel really old because this just isn't funny at all, or it made me doubt my entire taste as a young adult when I was thinking Kevin Smith's really funny when I was younger, and now he's just stupid. Either way... This movie made me feel really bad and really embarrassed, and I will never forgive Kevin Smith for this. The only good thing is the two-minute Stan Lee bit right at the end. That was just lovely. I want to erase this movie from history and make it so it never existed. Then the world would be a better place. Hey, you got all fervored there at the end. Uh, Wow. So this person (laughs) has gone through a whole entire life Mm. thing because if you're doubting your own judgment... For your whole life, that is not Kevin Smith's fault. No. <laughs> There's something else going on there. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so um, but the thing is, everything that he said about this movie is 100% accurate. And I think that if he were, if Kevin Smith read that and could converse with the guy, he would say, Dude, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm referencing my life and my movies and my stories. And this is who I am. So you're right. Yep. And I'm I I I don't like that you don't like it, but it is what it is. So I mean, I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying he's not wrong. 
It's just funny that he feels so disappointed. But again, that's a personal problem, not like a problem that some director guy in Hollywood can fix for you. Well, apparently, if he erases the movie from existence, mm. then he'll be fine. Well, then he needs to go watch uh, <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> and let's pretend that yeah. no one in the world knows about Kevin Smith except for this guy. Is that Yesterday too? Yeah. <laughs> the whole <laughs> world has forgotten about Kevin Smith. Yeah. All right, so um, they're the IMDb reviews. That actually sounds like an interesting movie. True. Maybe Kevin could make that. <laughs> All right, so special features. There's cast interviews. There's Kevin and Jay interviewing the cast and crew. There's bloopers, and there's a hair reel. And what the hair reel is, is they have wigs. They both have wigs on during this movie. And the wigs have to be right. Mm. And uh, it's the lady who deals with the wigs. Um, I like how Jason Mewes in the extras, he's very interviews. interested in telling audience us out in the world more about all of the staff and the people behind the scenes because he he seems to just really be interested he's like not everybody knows what a grip is and a best boy and a line producer so tell them what you do and tell them about your experience like stand-ins do you ever think about stand-ins no i didn't until today what you learn i mean i'm new of their existence but a stand-in is like let's say you're going to a movie set and they've built the set now we have to set up all the lights and the audio and get the angles correct and get the everything right. That can take that can take a day. So they have a person who's probably not even similar, maybe similar in height, but not necessarily. I mean, I don't know. Some stand-ins are probably more of a well. The lady dead said, I, I'm, anybody that's I'm tall, being a yeah. stand-in for tall people, yeah, right." So they have those first <laughs> people on the set. Sometimes they'll even act out a scene. So that the audio knows where to put the B and where the lighting is going to be best or whatever. And that can take hours. They don't bring the people that you're paying 20 million. This is what's funny is oh, if you're making like $10 million, but you can't be bothered to go do that part. <laughs> like, oh, aren't you special? And then those people probably get like not very much money. They probably get scale. But Ke- Ke- Jason Mewes is like, tell everybody what you do and like what, you know, what. What it's like. And I really like that extra. I think he could do a whole show about that. Like Jason Mewes behind the scenes or something. I'd like, I'd watch that. Yeah, Jason Mewes loves to, um, I've noticed in his interview style, he likes to have the microphone most of the time though. No, he was kept handing it to him. No, I mean, he likes to, maybe he hasn't got the microphone, but he likes to talk more than the people do. Oh, I didn't didn't notice that off, but he kept trying to give it to him and they wouldn't take it. I think they were probably mostly shy though, these people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're the extras. There's no commentary, unfortunately, which Kevin usually does a commentary, but my guess is they'll put out some kind of special edition of this in the future. Like yeah, and plus selling this movie. They've gone out and done their shows, like, every... Yeah. F- multiple times a week for over a year. I get the feeling there'll be another edition, like they did with Dogma, like a actual special edition, maybe an anniversary edition of some kind. I don't know about that. Or he will do an, uh, a commentary that is on YouTube, and you just play it which a lot Mm. of people have started doing recently i've noticed so um thank you to lionsgate for letting us view this movie next week talking of sequels we're looking at zombieland double tap which is the there was a big gap in between zombie and zombieland 2 wasn't there it was like 10 years or something Mm. so that's uh, fine that's fine we don't need constant flow of movie franchises Zombieland double tap will be next week's movie uh movie recommendations i am going on my favorite kevin smith movie chasing amy and because melissa benoist was in this and we just recently picked up watching the new season of supergirl i'm going with supergirl oh nice you're branching out into television yeah nice i like supergirl it's like it's kind of fluffy and uh it's kind of ridiculous a lot of the time, but there's something about the characters I really like. All of them. I like Brainy. I like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I sometimes. Mean, it's just cartoony it's, and It's then kind of nuts sometimes. It's like, whoa. They do make a very huge effort to be very politically correct. Yes. In terms of, like, making sure. Dreamer. There's very sensitive things. There's very, like, you know, it's a little more reach out to people, kind of understanding people, maybe trying to turn the bad guys back into decent people again, that kind of stuff. Um, and so my, that's all you've got? Those are your recommendations? That's all I do, too. Okay. Week. Mine are, as I've been doing, for 2020, I'm going to do a movie from 100 years ago. 
So that'd be 1920. And a movie from 50 years ago, which would be 1970, if you're not great with the math. And the 1920 movie is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which I have seen. So it's just another version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's a good one. Yes, I, I like those movies from that era. They're pretty creepy. And I think if you think that we've invented creepiness, scariness, um, gore, or anything like that, we didn't. This modern world didn't. It's been around a long time. And then the night from 1970 is Patton, because that's a big one for you. I don't know if I've seen it. I have, and when I watched it, it's the first time I met my friend Rocket. <laughs> I remember Patton freak. I remember seeing the the like the I, f- I know the cover of the videotape because I, I guess we had it in the house or something, and I always remember looking at it but never watching the movie. It's long. It's involved. I mean, it's a quality movie. I believe it won Best Picture of that year. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I definitely don't think I've seen it. And so those are my recommendations. Would you recommend? So we recommend I watch Well, it's Patton. long and it's serious. Long doesn't matter. It's serious. Serious, don't matter. It's also of its day. So it's a 1970 movie. So I quite like 1970s I know you do, movies. but I'm talking to other people. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. This isn't the Marvel Universe. If I liked Apocalypse Now, would I like Patton? I don't know. They're very different. I don't do what you do and say, like, if you like this, you'll like that. Is Patton a war know. movie? What do you think it is? I mean, is it, is it more like a politics thing or is it an actual war movie? Well, you're going to have to watch it. <laughs> you're just going to have to watch I it. I don't even think I've ever seen a clip from it or anything. I think you probably have the one where he smacks the guy I don't in, recall the, in the hospital. All right. So, um, hey, Scully so stuff. So now you're going to have to watch Yoga Hosers. Well, we will. You'll be Patton. watching that. I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and Patton. Yeah. <laughs> We're very diverse here. Um, so I've been playing a game this week, a Plague Tale Innocence. It's a, um, I believe it's, it's a, a little f- weird, but uh, it's interesting. It's a French game about a. Uh, it's set in like the. When where's it set? When's it set? The Dark Ages? Is that what they call it? Whenever the plague was. Yeah, when the plague was running wild, and <laughs> you you start off. It's a, it's like a story adventure. Not like a Telltale game, because it's got, like, gameplay stuff. It's not, like, truly a story, but there's a big story. Anyway. You're really selling it here. You're um, you're a teenage girl. Right at the beginning of the game, it's not a spoiler, because it's literally in the opening movie. Your mother gets killed, and your father gets killed, and the plague is just about starting up. In, it's in France. And then you're told by the people who look after you when the mother and to go and find this guy and everything will be unveiled and you're going from it's an adventure from one place to another throughout the game and you're with your little brother who's a i would Isn't say there two brothers two little kids no well there's two little kids but one of them's not related to me okay but there you've got the brother who is i would say about seven years old he's kind of scared his mum just got killed right in front of him we're on the run. And the plague, you know, the enemy in the game is the plague, which it consists of lots of rats. If you don't like rats, you won't like this game because there are lots of rats, lots of dead bodies, lots of disease. And you're being pursued because, well, the little boy's special in some way, let's just say. Okay, so we're not talking about straight yeah. up reality. No. It's not just a plague game. No. <laughs> and it's beautiful to look at. The artwork, I like how it looks. It's a really compelling story. I'm really dying to know what happened. Um, and it's on Game Pass. That's why I wanted to mention it. It's uh, If you've got Microsoft Game Pass, it's available this week on the Game Pass. It's on PC or Xbox, and uh, you can play it. So if you have Game Pass and you're thinking of playing a new game, that's it. It's uh, Plague Tale Innocence. So, um, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? You know what's for dinner. It's going to be the same every week, pretty much, unless the weather deters me. What do you want for dinner? I want Impossible (laughs) Whopper. (laughs) That is what you should Remember that also, um, something else is coming, isn't it? Impossible Impossible sausage? Possible pork or something. People are probably like, oh, gross. Well, that's fine. I don't care what you think. We're vegetarian, and so we still eat fast food. We're not, like, super healthy. Do they do it like this? Oh, gross. 
Yeah, gross. Like, ooh, you eat impossible up or that shit. I saw a meme on Facebook that says that's made out of the same stuff that dog food's made out of. Mmm, I love it. If it <laughs> is, I'll have some dog food as well. Dude, okay, I, I couldn't give a shit what anybody thinks about what I eat because I don't give a shit what anyone else eats. So let's just put that out there. But we are vegetarian, and so telling people every week what we eat, sometimes it could be, well, until we discover the Impossible Whopper, which is going to be forever what he wants to eat on movie day. Um, make all kinds of stuff. What was I making this week? Homemade bread. Oh, not yeah. That that's, that's, not, that's not vegetarian or meat related. Tell it's just him about the bread, bread though. What about it? How good it is. It's really good. And it's a different method that I've never used before. You just like slop half the stuff in, put it in the thing, let it rise all half the day, mix it up. I mean, if you've never made bread, look it up. Um, That's really good. Also, just making all kinds of weird stuff that, what do we, oh, I've made chicken parmesan without any chicken or parmesan. That's one of my favorite new things to say. So we use like these Boca spicy fake chicken burger things. And yes, I say fake chicken. Again, I don't care what vegetarians or vegans think of that. Do your own thing, whatever. Um, it's the fake chicken patties. They're kind of spicy. I get a jar of ragu with no sugar, some regular plain pasta, heat up the pasta. I mean, heat up the sauce, put the chicken thingies in there or the fake chicken thingies, and then have cauliflower to go with it, just like roasted in the pan, and some corn. Oh, my God. Was it like the best thing ever? Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> Did we also mention we had uh, a burger, the one that smoked up the place, but it tasted oh, yeah. amazing. <laughs> Beyond Meat, I think it's called. Yes. Beyond yeah, Meat. That was really good, but it, yeah, it totally filled the house, like as if you were putting a hamburger on a grill. It was like that. But it was so delicious. It was. A, it was. We'd never had that one before. So we'll continue to do that and let you know what we're eating. So we are vegetarian, but we are not um, withering away. We're not animal rights activists. We don't judge you for what you eat. That's not the deal. Everything you've heard about vegetarians and vegans, I'm going to guess, is not true. We're not all the same. What is your advice? My advice is that it's okay for you to invite people that you know to get together with each other without you. Because, like, you're not the center of the universe. So, like, if you're the kind of friend that gets jealous when your friends get together, you need to get over it. Let them get together and even come up with an idea. A day when you can't go and say, hey, I hear there's a band at the bar or they're having two-for-one margaritas or whatever. I can't go, but here, you guys go and have a good time. Like, it's a really, you know, if you guys are not busy or whatever, get together. Like, when I'm not there. Because I find a lot of people... I don't know. They get really weirded out when they find out that you've been out with a friend and you're a mutual friend and like, oh, I didn't even know you were going or I didn't even know that was a thing or, oh, did you text me and I didn't get it? Shit like that's really weird. These are stories I haven't experienced because I don't pay that much attention to people. (laughs) But my friends tell me like when I'm with a friend and they'll say we're going like we're going out or something to eat dinner. And like, oh, God, I hope so-and-so doesn't see us because then she'll be pissed. Like, she'll be like, oh, well, you didn't invite me to come. Whatever. I'm thrilled when my friends have other friends because then I have to do less friending. I think it's like just a built-in thing I have wrong with my brain. (laughs) It's like I don't need to be all consumed. Friending? Yeah, my friending is limited. I'm not great at being a friend. And so my friends would disagree with you and say, no, that's not true, but, you know. They love me. So I just think even if you come up with the idea or an event or a thing for your friends to meet up at and you're not there, that's awesome. Then if they want to tell you about it or they don't, like, just let them be. Like, the more friends you have who have other friends just is better for the world. That is true. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a thing, but I just, I feel like that's a weird way to look at the world that humphant crossing your arms like a little kid who doesn't get their way, like, "Mm, well, I can't go to the ball game. Why are they all going without me? Well, first of all, maybe it's you. Maybe you're the problem, or maybe you don't need to be everywhere all the time. Yeah, well said. That's my advice. Well said. So um, you can catch this podcast, ascully.com. You can catch us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. Google Play Store is the place you would find this podcast, the RSS feed iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the BBC, CNN. (laughs) Oh, wow. They're branching out. Probably not all of those. Probably not. 
as um, the guy would say. Probably, probably got a little bit of value to it. Probably not. You can uh, email feedback to me at ascoli.ascoli.com. Do not email Sid Talk. Ever. I mean, you can, but... And finally, stay classy, Mr. Kevin Smith. Please bring us more movies like this one. <laughs> Fun and uh, your thing, not what somebody else is telling you to make. Exactly. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>